Hey, kids, come and join in for our verse of the week. Encourage your parents to help you with our verse of the week. God has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfilment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Kids, don't forget to go to our kids' worship pack that's online for your colouring in sheets and some other information and other devotion material. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we gather together and think about what it means to be, you, to be united by you, we pray for your Holy Spirit to be at work, to bless us and encourage us, to help us in our journey of faith and to remind us of the love you have for us. Where our thinking is off skew, redirect us and correct us with your love and grace. Where we need comfort, give us that comfort. Where we need hope, give us hope. Where we need a reminder of your love, give us that love. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Today we're focusing on unity, um, being united by Jesus. Henry Ford once said, coming together is a beginning. Keeping together is a progress and working together is success. There's an old Indian parable that talks about this old man who had two sons who kept fighting and kept wanting to operate differently and separately. And so what he did was he gathered them one evening and he had a bunch of sticks and he wound it up and he said to each of the sons, try and break the bunch of sticks. And no matter how hard they tried, they couldn't break the bunch of sticks. And he did this with both sons. Then after a while, he took the bunch and he unwound the bunch and he gave the sons each an individual stick. And he said, try and break that, each, that individual stick. And it was easily broken. And his statement was, do you see, when you operate independently, you're easily broken. Things fall apart. But when you work together, when you live together, when you be a family together, it's hard for us to fall apart. It's hard for things to be broken. And I think there's a message in that parable for all of us. The importance of not just being individuals, but working together and living together with others and the strength that comes from being part of a community. And throughout the scriptures, we see this encouragement for Christian unity and encouragement for us to focus on and understand Christian unity. In fact, uh, I remember listening to somebody, a, a scholar once said that to remind us that most of the Bible is not written to an individual. Most of the Bible is written to a community of faith, to people together. One such place where unity is highlighted is in Psalm 133. And we hear these words. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. 
As we begin to explore today's text and focus on being united by Jesus, I invite you to think about and ponder and reflect on two questions. The first is, what does it mean to live in Christian unity? What does it truly mean to live in Christian unity? And secondly, how does living in unity with Christians who are different from you bless you in your spiritual journey? And also think about how it might bless others. How does living in unity with Christians who are different from you bless you in your spiritual journey? And how might it also bless others? Some background that helps us have a greater understanding of what's going on in our reading from Ephesians is this. First of all, Ephesus. Ephesus is predominantly Gentile with some Jewish presence. It's a trading port, a trading town, and therefore, similar to the Corinthians, has a diverse community. Um, And that diverse community brings some diverse practices and understanding to life. The other aspect about Ephesus, there are some people who are hostile to the Christian faith, hostile to this new faith that is starting to to grow and to flourish and to have an influence because it has a different way of life, it has a different understanding of life. For instance, rather than having to work hard to be blessed by God, you are blessed by God. Now, in Ephesians, what we see, and in the book of Ephesians, a little bit unusual for Paul's writings because we see Paul laying out God's plan without him responding to a specific major issue. In most of the other books that we have that are written by St. Paul, he is writing to a community in response to some specific major issues, but not in Ephesians. He's simply laying out God's plan. And we see this from our first chapter where he just simply talks about what God's intentions are. Paul does address uh, an issue in Ephesians, though, and the issue is the differences between Christians from different cultures, the differences they have and who may be right or who may be wrong or how may they perceive those differences. Furthermore, some background to help us is the idea of this unity. In verse 10, we hear from the NIV, to bring unity to all things. That's what Christ, God's, God's intention is, to bring all unity to all things on heaven and earth under Christ. And it's from this Greek word that this comes, this anchor which means to bring together. Or in Romans chapter 13, verse 9, the same word is used when it says that all the commandments are summed up in this. And so it's this idea of bringing together everything. That, you know, kind of like you capture everything and you put it together as a gift. That's what unity means. It's about bringing together. The other thing that's interesting to note is that from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14, it takes the form of a Jewish barakah. A Jewish barakah is simply... A, a way of expressing something and expressing particularly a blessing. It takes place before anything else is said or anything else is requested or anything else is instructed or anything else is done. It takes place before anything else, such as living out a commandment, enjoying the blessings and praising God. So the Jewish barakah is spelt out. And the reason for that is, the Jewish Barakah's prime focus is to acknowledge God as the source 
of all blessings. That all the blessings that we're speaking about has come from God. And we see this within this first chapter. We see that we are blessed, we are called, we are predestined by God to be his people already in his mind before the earth was formed. And it's through baptism that God welcomes us. And this is where we get our emphasis on what is happening in baptism. It's what God is doing, not what we're doing. And so let's have a look at three points in regards to being united with Jesus and about Christian unity. And the first is this, Christian unity is God's intention. God's intention is for all things, not just some, but all things to be united with him and, uh, and all things from heaven and earth to be united with him under Christ. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfilment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Think about that. Think about the people you interact with. Every single one of them God's original intention was for them to be part of his family, to be part of his kingdom. And we know that some people will not accept that, not want to be part of his kingdom. But that doesn't mean that wasn't God's intentions. God wants all people, all things. Now, he's not going to force all people and all things to be under his authority. He's not going to be in unity together. But that's his original intention. And we see this clearly played out even more so in John chapter 17, where Jesus prays that we would be one. He prays that him and the Father would be one. He prays that him and the disciples would be one, so that they would be one with the Father. He prays that we would be one. And so we have, God's intention is for us to be unified, to be people who are unified together. The second point, though, is also important, is that the Christian unity is God's work. Christian unity is what God is doing. He is the one that's creating it. He is the one that's shaping it. He is the one that's moulding it. In our reading again, we heard, He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfilment, to bring unity to all things in heaven on earth, heaven and on earth under Christ. It is God who is creating our unity. When we think of the church, we can try to do things to be unified, but that doesn't necessarily mean we have the unity that God expected. What God is doing is God will unify us through his word as we sit around the word, as we listen to his word. We will have his version, his brand of unity. And that's why 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13 is also important, where it says, For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or Greek, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. One of the saddest things that I've seen as a pastor is Christians demanding others copy them or do what they do in the belief that that will create Christian unity. Now there's this term in at the Reformation, this term at the Reformation in our book of Concord, Adiaphra, which means there are things we do as a church which are not essential. 
Right? They're not absolutely necessary. In fact, they're not needed for the gospel to be proclaimed. However, there are some things that we do and we continue to do for the blessings of Christian community. But it also, within the Book of Concord, it talks about us not forcing man-made procedures, man-made processes on people and burdening them unnecessarily. Because it's the gospel that we should be focused on. And this is what we should always remember as Christians, that as we live in our life, God is the one who's wanting to, make, to bring us together with him and with others. I've been in situations where I've visited a church and I've kind of felt, what am I doing here? Who are these people? But what God has done is introduced me to people who I never would have gone out of my way to meet because they looked different, they acted different, they did things different to me. They even thought different. They even had some different political ideas. But God still blessed me through those interactions and being able to be part of their community, I've been able to encourage them, but they've been able to encourage me. And we've been able to share God's love, support each other in sharing God's love in the world. And that leads to the third point, which is probably the most important point for us today on Christian unity. Christian unity is not all about being the same or doing the same, but living for the same purpose. Some people have a view of Christian unity that we should all have exactly the same worship service no matter where we are. Some people have a view of Christianity that we should all look the same or march like a a military army into the same exact beat. Our district has a, um, a strategic directions called Walking Together in Mission. And part of our discussions within that has been walking together in mission doesn't mean we're all marching to the exact same beat or at the same pace, but we're all walking together for the same purpose, the purpose of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 12 reminds us that this is the case, that we have this diversity in our, that God has created this diversity to be part of the church, but Christ is the head of the church. In Acts chapter 4, it encourages the church community to, have, to be one in heart and mind. Not look the same, not do exactly the same, but to be one in heart and mind means to be focused on the same purpose, the same mission that we have. Colossians chapter 3 verses 17 says, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. So whatever we do as a community should be for God's glory, not to please people first, at utmost, not to make a big scene in society that society is doing something wrong, but we should do it for God's glory. Whatever we do should be for God's glory. And Jesus unpacks this a little bit more for us in Matthew. In two places in Matthew, he talks to us directly about what it means to be living for the same purpose. One is he calls us to live a life of loving God and loving others. He says, love your neighbour. But when you look, go to Luke and he says the same thing, what he actually means is love anyone who crosses your path, anyone you see in need, anyone who stumble across who needs love. 
And today, that would be everybody. Right? That's living for the same purpose. For us as a church is to have that attitude, to live with that purpose, to live a life of loving God and loving others. And the other important aspect of this is that we live a life to make disciples of God from everyone, from every nation, which he says to us in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 to 20. See, Christian unity is about being focused on that same purpose. And so it'll look more like this picture, people doing different things in different ways, but all working together to be part of God's body of Christ and to build the church. In summary, I like to say that Christian unity is about being focused on the purpose of receiving and sharing God's grace and love for the world so that we make disciples. It's fairly simple. And there's many different ways we can do that. And we see this in many different aspects. That's why we shouldn't be overly concerned about all the differences amongst Christianity in practice, particularly when those people are focused on sharing the good news and helping others to be disciples of Jesus. See, Christian unity, Christian unity is not about us being cookie-cut Christians. It's not about us doing all the same thing. It's not about us repeating a tradition just for the sake of repeating a tradition so we talk about our identity. Christian unity is being focused on Jesus and the mission and the purpose he has given us. And so what does this mean for us as we live the faith? First of all, recognise that we'll never be perfectly unified on this earth. So let's keep growing in being unified by the Spirit, even when we're not. It can be quite challenging at times, being part of a Christian church, when things don't seem to be unified, can't it? We'd rather things to be nice and harmony and things to be at peace with each other and everybody doing like a well-oiled machine. But sometimes, sometimes in the church, it's not so smooth. It's not so unified. But let's not give up. Let's keep meeting together. Let's keep being encouraged by God. Let's keep listening to God. Let's keep being focused on being church together and not just having a relationship with God for what we believe is our own benefit, but having a relationship with God for our benefit and for the benefit of others. And that means that we'll be keep being influenced by Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Remember, it's God who's going to give us true unity. And he does that through Jesus, which he's done on the cross. All of us, no matter whether you're the very richest person in the world or the very poorest person in the world, can only have access to God, can only be part of God's family by trusting in what Jesus has done on the cross. And all of us can only be part of the church by relying on his Holy Spirit to keep gathering us and guiding us and teaching us. And that's just not a once-off event. That's a continual event that we need. The Holy Spirit continually interacting with us influencing us, helping us to see life from God's perspective, helping us to know what it truly means to be Christians, of receiving God's love and sharing God's love. And thirdly, as we live the faith, live the faith being united by Jesus, let us live and work with others to glorify God, 
to share God's love and to make disciples. Let us think how we can network with each other, support each other, learn more about each other. Some years ago, I encountered a congregation where people had really got to know each other. And many in the congregation had said, it's easy to share the faith because they're not doing it alone. Someone might ask a difficult question in a particular area or need help in a particular area. And instead of feeling like you've got to do it all alone, most of those members would rely on two or three others to help them out. And so I'd encourage you to live and work with others to glorify God, to share God's love and make disciples. And maybe a starting point is if you don't know someone, many people in our congregation at the moment, or you don't know many people that well, you start spending time with them. At the moment, we can't, have, can't invite them to homes, we can't have coffees with them, but we could ring them up and we can chat with them and have a talk to them and talk about how their life's going and what they're doing. And the fourth point on living the faith by being united by Jesus is keep remembering that Christian unity is not everyone doing the same or looking the same, but everyone focused in the same direction that Jesus has set. Everyone focused in this direction of love and grace and gospel and growing as disciples that has been set by Jesus. You see... Being united by Jesus unites us with God, unites us with other believers, leads us to a life of being loved and a life of loving each other and all we meet in the world as we live to make disciples of Jesus. And as I was thinking about being united by Jesus, I kept remembering going to um, an orchestra once and I happened to get in there early And it was a dreadful noise with all them practising. It was a terrible noise. It was a noise that was just absolutely atrocious. You know, we had violins trying to tune up. We had flutes trying to play. It was just absolutely terrible. But then they started playing together. The concert started And it sounded like one voice, this beautiful noise of all these instruments, all these different things coming together. And that's what we can be when we're focused on Jesus. When that orchestra was focused on the conductor, they sounded fantastic. When we focus on Jesus, we mightn't look absolutely fantastic, but we'll be sharing God's love we'll be receiving God's love and we'll be helping others know the one who loves us and loves them. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the unity that you are creating for us and with us. Pour down your Holy Spirit on us and give us a sense of your presence and peace. Help us to be people who are focused on you so we continue to grow as the disciples you call us to be, that we continue to grow in your love and with your love, and that with your love we continue to help others to know your love. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.